0: Turn to your Bibles and to Matthew chapter 25, please, to begin with this morning. Matthew 25, page 1001, if you have a church Bible. Matthew 25, and we're going to read... Verses 31 to 46. Jesus teaching here about the day of judgment. The end of the world. And the son of man, verse 31, coming in his glory. So let's read Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. This is God's word. When the son of man comes in his glory... But the righteous into eternal life. Then turn over further on into your New Testaments please to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Page 1197 of the Church Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read together now the whole of this first chapter of this letter. But you'll see at the very end of the chapter, verses 15 to 18, you'll spot there the name of the man that we're focusing on this morning. Onisi for us is how I'm going to pronounce it, and I'll try to pronounce it the same way throughout the whole reading and the whole sermon. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the right way, if that's what you're used to hearing or not hearing. I apologize if you have a different way, you can tell me afterwards. I thought it'd be very clever this week. I was at the minister's conference with about 40 RP ministers, uh, past and present, uh, from Ireland and Scotland. And so I sat down at the lunch table on Wednesday and there were four other ministers there. And one of them asked me, what are you speaking on at Clock Mills? And I explained the theme and I said, you men can help me how do you pronounce this name? And the first three men pronounced it three different ways. <laughs> so I turned to the fourth man and I said, well, you have the casting vote. Uh, and uh, I think that responsibility was too much for him and he, he buckled under that pressure and he wouldn't, he wouldn't give an answer. Uh, so it's still a tied vote. I can't even remember the three different ways, thankfully. But anyway, I'm going to go for Onisi for us. It did also cross my mind could I come up with some kind of abbreviation for his name, a shorter version of it but the only option I could think of was onesie and I didn't think that would be helpful for any of us this morning let's read the chapter here to give us a bit of the context of where we're introduced to Onisi for us in God's word, Second Timothy chapter 1 we'll read the whole chapter, Paul I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelled first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And which now has been manifested through the appearing of our saviour Christ Jesus. Who abolished death. And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For which I was appointed a preacher. An apostle and teacher. Which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. For I know Whom I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me among whom are Phygilos and Hermogenes may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onisiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains but when he arrived in Rome he searched for me earnestly and found me may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Amen. William Tyndale was a Bible translator in the 1500s. At a time when it was illegal for the Bible to be made available in the English language. While he was in prison, awaiting execution in 1536, he wrote to the prison governor, I beg your lordship that if I am to remain here through the winter, you will request your deputy to have the kindness to send me from the goods of mine which he has, a warmer cap, for I suffer greatly from cold in the head, a warmer coat also For this one which I have is very thin, a piece of cloth to patch my leggings. My overcoat is worn out, my shirt is also worn out. He has a woolen shirt if he will be good enough to send it. I also have with him leggings of thicker cloth to put on above. He also has warmer caps. And I ask to be allowed to have a lamp in the evening. It is indeed wearisome to sit alone in the dark. But most of all, I beseech your mercy to be urgent with your deputy that he will kindly permit me to have a Hebrew Bible, Hebrew grammar, and Hebrew dictionary that I may pass the time in that study. William Tyndale's words from his prison cell as he awaited his execution. A prisoner close to his own death and it's quite simple things that he wants really, isn't it? He wants warmer clothes. He wants his books so that he can study. This morning we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. So keep it open in your Bibles in front of you, please, if you're able to do so. Here we have a letter from a prisoner awaiting execution who wants warmer clothes and books. If you flick over to chapter 4, Verse 13, there we read Paul writing to Timothy, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. In this letter, Paul is at the end of his life. This is the last of the Bible's letters by him. As well as feeling the cold and missing his books, and this is important for today's study, Paul feels alone and abandoned. In chapter 4 verse 10 he speaks of being deserted. Today we're going to focus on chapter 1 verses 15 to 18. Look what he says there. Verse 15. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. Among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. In chapter 1 verses 7 and 8. He pleads with Timothy the man who is receiving this letter. Not to be ashamed of him. Or his chains. Or their message. Paul is near the end of his life. He's old, he's cold, and he's largely alone. Yet he knows that he is not totally abandoned. Most importantly, the Lord stands by him. He writes of that in chapter 4, verse 17. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me. We also see in chapter 4, verse 11, Luke is with him. And there were other Christians too who had not given up on him. And that brings us to the next of our studies in this Ordinary Heroes series, looking at lesser-known men and women who are mentioned in Paul's letters. And this morning, for a time, we want to think of this man, Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus. He is mentioned only twice in the whole Bible. Click over to chapter four, verse nineteen, please. Again, closing words towards the very end of a letter, like we saw last night. Greet Prisca and Aquila, and the household of Onesiphorus. That's one of only two references. The other is in chapter one, in the section we're looking at today, verses fifteen to eighteen. You see him mentioned there in verse sixteen. Paul says may the Lord grant mercy. To the household of Onesiphorus. For he often refreshed me. And was not ashamed of my chains. Paul even in these dark. Desperate. Deserted conditions. Has been refreshed. By Onesiphorus. When. Onesiphorus visited Paul's cell. The aging apostle felt revived. Onesiphorus was, for Paul, a breath of fresh air. So that's our title this morning. Onesiphorus, a breath of fresh air. We're going to notice three points, three main points. First of all, how... Did he refresh? How did he refresh? These are times of discouragement and dejection and danger for Paul. But one man stands out from all the others as a great encouragement. His name is Onesiphorus. And appropriately that name means bringer of help. Bringer of help. And the key word that Paul uses about him there in verse 16 is refreshed. He often refreshed me. And the word in Paul's language that he used gives us some helpful pictures to understand what he means by that. It was a powerful word that was actually used rarely in the New Testament. It can mean revive to breathe into something, to give it life. Now, we don't want to overstate Paul's condition here. He is not so close to death that he literally needs mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually, that's what it feels like for Paul. And after a visit from Onisi for us, it feels like he has been revived. He has been resuscita- resuscitated. Paul's word in the New Testament times could also mean to cool off. To get over the effects of extreme heat. Now that's maybe not a picture that we can grasp the best in our climate but if when we've been abroad or when we've been on holiday we maybe can't think of what it's like when we just we can't wait to get back to the hotel or to our room and get the air conditioning on full blast and just cool off. That's the picture that's what this word refers to that's the kind of breath of fresh air that this man onisi for us is and in paul's day and paul's use of language just the same as we often do with phrases like a breath of fresh air this word in their language that means refresh it became a figure of speech that meant more than just being physically revived, more than just cooling down when you're very, very hot. The word came to have a bigger, broader picture than that, meaning to cheer someone up, to encourage, similar to what we thought of last night, to make someone's heart feel strong again. That's what Onisi for us does for Paul he makes his heart feel strong again and we want to look now for a few moments at how he does that the simple answer the obvious answer is that he visits Paul when he's in prison but we want to dig deeper than that how does he achieve this refreshing of Paul when he visit him visits him and why particularly does that refresh and encourage Paul there are three smaller points to note here about how he refreshed first of all it is costly refreshment costly refreshment For a start, Paul is in Rome. You can see that from verse 17. And Onesiphorus is from Ephesus. We get a hint of that in verse 18. That's a distance of about 800 miles as the crow flies. And us is not a crow. And he cannot fly. So whatever way he has to make this journey... It's probably more than 800 miles. It takes impressive effort and commitment even for him to get to Paul. Notice as well here that the only times that Onesiphorus is mentioned in the Bible. Chapter 1 verse 16, chapter 4 verse 19. It's actually the household of Onesiphorus. That is mentioned. Clearly, he had a family. But that doesn't get in the way of his persistent, faithful, pursuing kindness towards Paul. Paul's mention of his household and Paul's prayer for God's mercy to them shows that Paul recognized he had a family. There was a cost to them for Paul benefiting. From Forus's company, when Onesiphorus was with Paul, he wasn't with them. Maybe it was hard for the family of Onesiphorus to understand why was he risking his own freedom possibly even risking his life. These are days of upheaval and persecution for Christians in Rome. And Onesiphorus is going there, risking his freedom, maybe even risking his life to bring encouragement to Paul. Maybe his family wondered why. There's a cost. And if we're to refresh and encourage and be a help, bringers of help to others, there may be times that does have a cost to us. And even our families. Paul doesn't overlook that there's a cost here shared by his whole household, his whole, his whole family. It's costly refreshment. It's also constant refreshment. Constant refreshment. In verse 18, Paul says to Timothy, so remember the letters being written to Timothy. Timothy is the pastor of Onesiphorus, and Paul says to Timothy, "You know well, for you well know this aspect of who Onesiphorus is. This reputation he has for doing good and for encouraging is well known. Already he has proved himself." Helpful in this way in his hometown of Ephesus. Notice as well that we read here how often, verse 16, he often refreshed me. So this isn't just a one-off thing. Onesiphorus hasn't just heard a talk on this and thought right well I need to go and refresh someone and I'll get it done and then I'll tick that box and I'll sit back and put my feet up and pat myself on the back. Onesiphorus doesn't stand here chuffed with himself saying well look at everyone else mentioned in the chapter, mentioned in the book they're all the rest of them are deserting Paul but not me, I went and searched for him. And I found him and I encouraged him and well done me. No, he does it again and again and again and again, time and again. us repeats this. He often refreshed me, Paul says. Verse 17 gives us a clue About how determined he was in this. Look at verse 17 please. When he arrived in Rome. He searched for me earnestly. And found me. He searched that city. Until he found Paul. He could easily have been put off. Or given up. He could say. Oh well I tried. And it was a good thing to do. But I wasn't successful. But he earnestly searches and finds him and so as well as the actual encouragement, the actual refreshment of the visit of us to Paul Paul is maybe as much encouraged by his dogged perseverance to do that and sometimes we can do the same for other Christians as well maybe it's not just what we do for them but how we go about doing it that will refresh them our personal sacrifice our sheer perseverance our faithful continuing may in itself be the encouragement to others it's constant refreshment as well as costly refreshment and before we move on it is Christ-centered refreshment. Christ-centered refreshment. We're not told exactly how Oneisiforos did this. But think for a moment. What would have refreshed Paul? Peace together. In your own mind the the pieces of the picture that we know about Paul from the rest of the New Testament. I think we can conclude that his heart would only have been refreshed by being pointed to Jesus. And his gospel of grace and the spread of his glory in the church. for us in some way must have pointed Paul to these things. It would have been easy for Paul, stuck in prison... Abandoned by everyone to focus obsessively on that. But well, where is everyone? What about so and so? What's happened to them? Where are they all now? They've abandoned me. They've failed the gospel. And sometimes that can happen to us. That we, we're in a hard situation and that hard situation is all we see. Sometimes for us, our hurt At someone who has rejected the gospel or who has abandoned the church can be multiplied in the damage that it causes because we kind of wallow in it or we focus on it or we let it distract us from the work that there still is to get on with. Our temptation if someone has burned us or hurt us in the past is maybe not to invest so much in the next person or to treat the next person like they were the last person. us. wants to lift Paul's focus up here from the troubles that he's in at this time he must have constantly been shifting Paul's focus to something better it's interesting that when Paul thinks of us, he speaks of mercy mercy it's mentioned twice just in our few verses verse 16 and verse 18 maybe maybe together they refreshed themselves. They delighted themselves all over again thinking of God's mercy. God's grace. The greatness of his salvation. The glory of the gospel. Did Paul already know all these things? Of course he did. We read his letters and they're full of God's grace and mercy and gospel. But this aging apostle in prison needs refocused and refreshed and there are times yes when we need that in the Christian life but there are also times where God will use us to be the ones who will refresh who will refocus someone else on these things for their resuscitation for their reinvigoration it's Christ-centered, it's constant, it's costly refreshment. Our second point is, who needs refreshed? Who needs refreshed? Let's think first of, first of all about those who are troubled. Those who are troubled. <laughs> You did, Joel. You did. Those who are troubled, including it's clear from Paul's context here and the setting of this this letter, including those who are troubled by other Christians. Those who are troubled by other Christians—that's Paul's situation. Verse fifteen, he feels deserted by all the Christians in Asia. He says, especially he names especially Phygillus and Hermogenes. They're named specifically here. They must have been a particular surprise or disappointment to him. And this is a theme not just in these verses but in other parts of the letter. Chapter 4 verse 10. Demas has also deserted him. Chapter 4 verse 16. Everyone else had disappeared as well. No one stood by him. Chapter 4 verses 10 to 12. Some who might have stood by him have been sent off on mission work. So he's feeling alone. Verse 14 of chapter 4 Alexander is making life hard for him, as well as Hymenaeus and Philetus in chapter 2, verse 17. They're spreading false teaching. This is the backdrop for Paul in this letter, so much so that when he speaks to Timothy in chapter 2, verse 3, he uses the language of being a soldier. He's feeling the battle here. And one of the great struggles at this time for Paul is the disloyalty, the feelings, the opposition, and the hurt of other Christians. And there are times when you will probably know what that's like when your biggest trouble comes from other Christians. Rather than the sinful world around us. Paul at this time is troubled. Especially by other Christians. Look what he says about Onisi for us, Verse 16. He was not ashamed of my chains. Many others were. Many others are abandoning Paul. They're keeping their distance. The circumstances of Paul's life at this moment are causing other people, whether deliberately in some cases or maybe unknowingly in other cases, they're giving up on him, they're neglecting him, they're walking away from him because of the circumstances of his life at this time. So I want to ask you this morning to look around your own church family and community. And think whose circumstances might mean that they're feeling alone right now. Even if that's not intentional by anyone else. Who is going through a difficult season of life right now? Who feels far away from family or loved ones? Who feels like they're in a situation that they're largely helpless about? Do we even know? It's impossible for us to refresh and to revive others if we're not even aware. If we haven't taken the time to ask. Or even worse than that. As can happen easily in any of our churches we have been told. In a private conversation or a prayer point shared with a church family. But we've been so caught up in our own lives and our own needs that we haven't followed up on it. Who needs refreshed? Ask ourselves that today part of the answer is those who are troubled, including those whose troubles come from other Christians. A second category here of who needs refreshed is those who usually do the refreshing. It's Paul who needs to be refreshed here. Think of how many people Paul would have Brought refreshment to over the years. His, his tireless tours and journeys around the churches. His letters to them. Even the simple fact of what we're focusing on this weekend. How his letters are full of little people like Onisi for us, And lesser known ones like this in our Bibles. That's so much growing out of this heart that Paul has and This refreshing that he brings so much to others. The point to see here is that Paul is often the refresher. But even the refresher needs refreshed. Even those who are normally and often doing it for others need to be refreshed by you and me. Don't assume that the people who are committed and strong and busy in the life of your church don't themselves need your refreshment. Someone who faithfully prays for you is a time that you prayed for them. Those who regularly have people in their home, when were they last in your home? Think about those who serve you. How could you serve them? The refreshers need refreshed. So who needs refreshed? The troubled? The refreshers? And actually all the saints. All the saints, our fellow Christians. Who needs refreshed? Well we could answer we could have answered that a lot more quickly and a lot more simply and just say, well, who doesn't? This is not the only time that Paul speaks about someone refreshing another. One example of it is in the book of Philemon where Paul says about Philemon, the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. And he ends the letter commanding him, refresh my heart in Christ. And so the simple challenge as we leave this second point is Do you refresh the hearts of the saints? God's people. This is something everyone needs. And it's something anyone in the church can do you don't have to be a minister you don't have to be an elder you don't have to have some special gift or calling to this although God does we can probably think of people who are especially good at it but it doesn't mean it's left to them you can do this bring refreshment a breath of fresh air it might be a very simple practical thing that you do it might be uh, simply uh, offering prayer or encouragement or whatever it is you can do this in ways that are costly, that are constant, and that are Christ centered. And our final point is ultimate refreshment. Ultimate refreshment. Is this whole sermon about being a breath of fresh air? Well, yes and no. It is important. I hope we've seen that this is something other Christians need and this is something that any of us as Christians can offer. But there's more than that here. This matters because Jesus said Mark 9:41, Truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward and as we read earlier from Matthew 25 verse 40 about visiting prisoners about giving food and drink to the hungry and the thirsty Jesus says truly I say to you as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers you did it to me you did it to me This kind of refreshment is not just done for Jesus, but he is so closely joined and united with his people that it's actually done to Jesus. When we refresh his people, we refresh Jesus. But Jesus in Mark 9.41, that quote that I read, he spoke about a cup of cold water. Now in many ways that isn't much to give to anyone. But one thing that we can at least say about that is that it would be refreshing. And Jesus in those verses, especially Mark nine forty-one, he ties it in with the theme of reward. He says, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink will by no means lose his reward. Jesus connects this kind of refreshment with heaven. And here in 2 Timothy, Paul is making similar connections. When we read through the whole letter, we see that as he comes towards the end of it, chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, he's thinking about his own life. Like a drink that is to be poured out. He's looking ahead to that day, he says, chapter 4, verse 8. When we're with God, that's the language that he's also used in our verses today. Chapter 1, verse 18. That day, Paul... Here is ready for heaven. He's longing for heaven. And when he thinks of Onisi for us and his family, Paul wants true, permanent, ultimate refreshment for them in heaven. That's why he speaks of mercy God's mercy. God. God's kindness God's grace his mercy not treating us the way our sins deserve to be treated Paul speaks of mercy verse 16 may the Lord grant mercy to the household of verse 18 may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day It's only by God's mercy to us through Jesus. Who on the cross took the place and the punishment of all who trust in him. Who died and rose, who triumphed over sin and death and the devil. It's only by God's mercy through Jesus that anyone can have any hope for that day that Paul speaks of in this letter. And he's speaking here as a man who knows he's nearing the end of his own life. But he's looking ahead to ultimate, eternal, never-ending, all-satisfying refreshment. And so Acts chapter 3 verses 19 and 20 says to all of us, repent. Therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Amen.